Eric Roberts is a fucking man He's the greatest fucking actor since acting began We should give him every medal, every trophy and award He's the greatest fucking actor that you've ever seen or ever heard Lock and load, it's episode number 53 of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man, the world's most hardcore Eric Roberts-related podcast. I'm Doug Tilly, and joining me as per usual is my co-host Liam O'Donnell. How are things, Liam? They're pretty great. How are you, Doug? Liam? Liam? Yes. Liam? Yes? I, uh, there's so much has happened since the last episode of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man. I, I took a, a lengthy visit to see my family in the lovely province of Newfoundland, Canada, uh, and I then I... Know. It's, it was great, actually. It was really, really nice. Um, and then I returned and did something that actually eh, somewhat connects to the Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man podcast. It does. Yeah. Uh, did you become the best of the best? I am the best of the best. I started out the best of the best. And I, I'm actually a little insulted that you were suggesting otherwise. You know, Liam, at the beginning of the show, I tend to have you... Talk a little bit about yourself, because I worry a little bit later in the show you might get drowned out by a particularly verbose guest, that sort of thing. Sure. Well, you also just like to make fun of me because all my stories are boring. Yeah. Well, I mean, you do have infinitely boring stories, but I have a very interesting story that I want to relate very quickly. Uh, And that is (laughs) just yesterday, the day before we're recording this episode, which would have been the 9th of July, uh, my wife and I visited Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And while we were there, we got together with uh, Mike White, the, the host of the Projection Booth podcast and a former guest on Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man. And we were joined by him and his lovely wife. And we went to Frank D'Angelo's restaurant in Toronto, Liam. Whoa. It's called the Forget About It Supper Club. <laughs> and I like I am... that it's a supper club like you had to be a member to go. Well, I'll tell you what. I, uh, I was concerned that I was not going to be dressed up enough for the Frank D'Angelo Supper Club. When I hear the word Supper Club, I think, you know, suit and tie, jacket, you got to go the whole nine yards. And I wanted to make sure, you know, I didn't want to be the schlubby guy at the Supper Club, the Forget About It Supper Club. But it turns out that people just walk off the streets and they all look like garbage and they'll just go in there. What do you think? I mean, I just assume everyone in Canada looks like garbage. But, well, um... I, was, I made a minor effort to not look like garbage, but it, it was all for naught. I did go to the supper club, again, joined by Mike White and his uh, lovely wife. Uh, and my own wife was there as well, who, of course, appeared on the most recent episode of Eric Roberts' is The Fucking Man. And Frank D'Angelo was not there, unfortunately, nor was his music playing. I was very disappointed by that, Liam. So we made a request to the server that, uh, that he put on the music of Frank D'Angelo, which he was more than happy to do. And we, of course, tipped him uh, handsomely because of his enthusiasm. Were your fellow diners excited about that experience? Fellow diners. Now, that's an interesting thing. (laughs) (laughs) There weren't necessarily many of them. I will say that there was a gentleman on the patio next to where we were sitting, and he ordered some calamari. Are you a fan of calamari, uh, Liam? Big fan. Gotta gotta love the squid, I say. And uh, the – I don't know if people use this phrase um, to, to refer to a smell in uh, in North America that is not Newfoundland, but the hum, the scent coming from this calamari was 
it lingered in the nostrils for many hours after after visiting oh, this God. Place. it was quite Jeez. it was fucking rank this this calamari and like the guy was outside right we were inside and the smell was wafting into the restaurant and uh it was uh you know potent uh i will say that the meal i had was pleasant enough uh was is the is the italian food there as authentic as Frank D'Angelo's New York accent. Uh, I would say equally as authentic. <laughs> okay, great. Good. So, so they put ketchup on the spaghetti, is what you're saying. <laughs> That's the spaghetti bolognese. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, I don't want to knock it too much. It was, a, it was a very enjoyable experience, almost entirely because of the company. Uh, and it was uh, decorated. The place was decorated from top to bottom with um, Frank D'Angelo paraphernalia, uh, posters from his films often including the name eric roberts on them just to tie it all back and i'm glad that i finally have had the experience of being there unfortunately uh i i did not have the experience that friend of the show will sloan had where frank himself came in after the premiere of his latest film the neighborhood but uh but yeah i did go to frank d'angelo's restaurant what do you think about that liam i mean it seems like it's an experience but i i as much as i appreciate frank d'angelo Without a guarantee of the man himself being there, I don't think I would make the trip. Well, next time I'll tweet him ahead of time. Mm, Good call. All right. Shut up, Liam. Today's guest is a writer, general Twitter gadabout that you can find at JKNicholson1. You better watch yourself, J.K. Nicholson, without a one because he's coming for you. It's Mr. John Nicholson. How you doing, John? I'm doing pretty fantastic. I'm excited to be here. I was a little nervous a couple minutes ago, but after... Finally getting into it. I'm ready to go. John, is this your first appearance on a podcast? It is. And what do you think about that? It's it's very exciting and mostly – and that was where my nerve was coming from. I am prone to anxiety. So that was mm-hmm. about an hour before we started. That was kind of starting to get up, and I even had a bit of an, an issue with uh, some of my equipment. So that, yeah. that certainly didn't help, but – I'm here now, and now that it's finally started, I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah, everything's going to be fine, John. Now, the fact is, and you know this as a listener of the show, I like to surprise the guests with questions sometimes. I like to, you know, they expect me to to, to jut left, and instead I jut right, and they're like, they don't know what to do. But because you're a regular listener, you can... You can foresee me doing these strange things, and you're not going to have to feel nervous about the potential personal questions that I'm going to be asking. No, not really, because I'm I'm not a okay. I have no problem being personal. Let's, All right, let's get well, let's get deep. Let's, let's get I deep. I like this, and I like you, John, and I want you to tell me about your favorite Eric Roberts movie. I got to be honest, my mm-hmm. history with Eric Roberts is not as fleshed out as others. <laughs> You mean Liam and myself? Because few, few are. <laughs> I basically have the bare minimum. So basically oh my under my belt, all I really have is the Expendables and the Dark Knight. Why I didn't oh. say the Dark Knight first, I don't know. Because that is far <laughs> superior film. Now, that was what you had under your belt. Because, of course, yes. now it's been added to because of your appearance on this show. Yes, that is, that is true. So we're enriching your life. We're actually, uh, you know, increasing the Eric Roberts content in your day-to-day existence, and that can only be a good thing. And what's great about it, John, is not only are we doing that, but you were able to contribute 
by choosing what we're going to be watching today. And we'll get to that <laughs> in just a little bit. Now, what is it that you enjoy about the Eric Roberts is the fucking man podcast? Well, I really like the back and mm -hmm. forth between you and Liam. It feels very. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I do. <laughs> it feels very genuine and it feels very similar to what I have in my home since I live in a, in a packed house with mm -hmm. there's where a lot of time where we like to get on each other's nerves and poke fun at each other. But at the end of the day, we're still friends. We still love each other. And that's kind of how I, how I feel about you and Liam. You feel, you feel like an old married couple, man. I'm uh, glad I someone mean... enjoys it. You <laughs> uh, shut your face, Liam. You. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, uh, I, I sometimes mock Liam a little bit on the Eric Roberts is the fucking man podcast, but the truth is deep down, we love each other very much, and I hope that that love and endearment uh, comes through on the Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man podcast, because I'd hate for Liam to have hard feelings about anything that I say about him, to him, or behind his back. So, Liam, I just want to tell you how much I appreciate you on this show. Well, I just think of this as like a performance thing, you know? It's like uh, uh, mm -hmm. in the show... Oh, God, just say something. <laughs> in the show context... You're the cool one, and I'm sort of the, the punching bag. And then in real life, your life is empty and meaningless, and I'm pretty awesome. Yeah. So. Yeah. Look, honestly, I do not disagree with what you just said at all. You're the cool punk rocker, right? Oh with, 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 right? And you're, you're, you play, you're a member of a band, a very popular band with mm -hmm. excellent reviews oh, up and down. Such a motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> and you're part of that punk community that is oh so very cool. Right. And who am I? A Canadian in Ontario? I mean, frankly, it's an embarrassment. So um, so you're right. We're all playing a role here. And today, Liam, you will be the punching bag. John, you will be an alternate punching bag. <laughs> because, it, yeah, I have nothing but uh, um, anger and and uh, disdain for anyone who dares come on the Eric Roberts is the fucking man <laughs> podcast. Well, enough of this jibber jabber. Uh, we need to get on with the latest, greatest Eric Roberts news. It's the Roberts Report. It's the Roberts Report for episode number 53 of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man. And as per usual, we're going to start with a deep dive on the Eric Roberts Twitter feed. You can follow him on Twitter at... Eric Roberts, all one word. And I'll tell you, he's been tweeting a lot lately. He's, he's, he's been putting a lot of information out there about the various projects he's working on or could be working on. There's one very interesting, very amazing piece of information here, Liam. Have you already looked at these tweets that we're going to be discussing? Oh, I see what you're referring to now. Yes. Uh, the, the second tweet in this run of tweets, I'm pretty stoked on. <laughs> well, I might have switched the order around, but... You're absolutely right. So we're going to start with a tweet that happened the day that we're recording this, just a few hours back. He said, the man, Eric Roberts, said, there are exceptions to the truth in every quote. Starting with you, John, is that true? <laughs> uh, this sentence is false. Oh, I see. oh boy, that's a bit of a brain twister that you're, you're, uh, you're, you're throwing out there. What about uh, the, the phrase, the quote, uh, one has uh, nothing to fear but fear itself. Are there exceptions to that? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um. <laughs> uh, no need to elaborate. No. Vampires, werewolves, 
fighters. John, John actually has some really good exceptions to that particular rule. Uh, over to you for a second, Liam. There are exceptions to the truth in every quote. Where do you think Eric Roberts' mind was when he wrote that tweet? Uh, that's actually a good question because right now, whenever you see truth on Twitter, people are talking about Donald Trump. It's like a universal thing <laughs> at this moment. Um, but it He is the most truthful person that I can think of. Oh, without a doubt. Uh, but um, I, th- this doesn't feel like he's referring to that. So I, I don't know. I mean... It's it feels like a general sort of feeling of like, look, don't be too certain of whatever. Uh, But the way he's phrased this feels like it is gibberish. Oh, boy, that's a that's an unfortunate thing to say about the man who gives us our our very title of this uh, podcast. I mean, I love Eric Roberts for his acting, not for his inspirational quoting. Well, anyway, John, you had something to add. Well, there are. And while I, I do think that the the overall uh, thought of exceptions to the truth, um, you know, I think it's an interesting idea. But what I do know true, what I do know that is true in every sense, for quote, is that Donald Trump is a fucking idiot. And I'm, I, glad, you, I'm glad you ended with that, John, because leading up to that, I didn't know where you were going with that particular statement. Uh, I, I feel like, and sorry to... to interrupt the both of you, but I feel like this might be a reference to the fact that Eric Roberts is making a movie right now called Fake News. And in the fake news, boy, there are exceptions to the truth in every quote, don't you think? Maybe that'll be a line in the movie itself. Holy shit. Maybe it will be. Maybe it'll be an improv line by Eric Roberts, the star of Fake News, coming soon to a multiplex near you. On July 4th, Eric Roberts tweeted... Well, actually, he tweeted a response to someone else who asked... Will there be a part three to Stocked by My Doctor? Do you know, Eric Roberts? <laughs> by the way, I feel like he would know <laughs> if there was going to be one. He'd probably be the first to know. And his response is, I would love to answer this question, exclamation point. Let's just say I'm happy about the answer, smiley face. There you go. Thank you so much, Liam. Yes. Actually, Doug, I hate to correct you. It's winky, smiley face. Uh, very well observed. John, uh, Wiki Smiley Face, to suggest Stocked by My Doctor 3 is in the works. We're going to be seeing it. I feel very, very confident. The only way that I wouldn't feel confident is if, say, Eric Roberts had a horrible experience on Stocked by My Doctor Part 2, and then when he just says here, let's just say I'm happy about the answer, he means that there's not going to be one, and he's happy about that. But I think, and I choose to believe, that we're going to be seeing uh, Stocked by My Doctor 3 on the Lifetime Network in the very near future soon the trilogy will be complete uh now you haven't watched any of the previous ones john but are you curious about the stocked by my doctor series i am that that is definitely one on the list of of uh of movies that i need to catch up on up there with runaway train star 80 pope of greenwich village that's kind of stuff you know the high tier eric roberts I don't disagree. And The Alternate, of course, is one that you must check out as well. Uh, Liam, we uh, we didn't love the second stock by my doctor. No, but I, I you know, it, it could be one of those things where the second one is just sort of a dip as a continuation to get us to this third one. Uh, um, so and, it'll be and, like The Empire Strikes Back, you know, the, the low point of the series leading into the <laughs> high point of Return <laughs> of the Jedi. God, I hate you so goddamn much. <laughs> um, no, but I mean, like, I, I, here's the thing. Even though I didn't love the second one, um, I still think there's a lot of potential in that series. And 
if if the if the third one is a little bit more like the first one, it, I mean, here's the thing: I won't hate watching it probably one way or the other. Let me look because the movie is probably, in fact, almost certainly not in production yet. Let me throw out a hint to the creators of the Stock by My Doctor series: more dates between Eric Roberts and some woman who slowly realizes that he's off his nut during that uh, date. I think that's what we all want to see. That's what I enjoyed most for the first movie. Also, and one, one more American Girl doll. One more American Girl doll being torn to shreds by a, uh, a, a, a angered Eric Roberts. That's a, that was a great addition there, John. Obviously a fan of the show because you haven't even seen the movie. Yep. Well, check so it I, out. Greg. <laughs> I feel like we can upgrade to a room full of hummels that the, he then smashes in rage. <laughs> that actually would be tremendous. Or maybe he could just step on a bunch of Legos. Uh, you know, I feel like we were the real... Uh, Doug, once again, hate to correct you, the plural of Lego is just Lego. Why don't you shut the fuck up? <laughs> uh, I, I do say, by the way, that we were ahead of the curve on the Stocked by My Doctor fandom. I feel like it's exploded since we uh, when once we realized that this is something that the world should be paying attention to, and now they're begging for the third entry in the series, and we're gonna get it, and that's all because of Eric Roberts is the fucking man. More news about fake news. I mentioned the uh, latest film from Eric Roberts. I believe he's filming it right now, or maybe just completed. Fake news uh, added John Savage and Blanca Blanco. <laughs> just in the past few days uh, Yeah, if you're a fan of the actor John Savage He is now in the cast of Fake News uh, Joining Eric Roberts By the way, Eric Roberts is legitimately the lead of that movie uh, Also joined by Martin Cove from the Karate Kid series uh, I'm going to put you on the spot here, John uh, What's your favorite Martin Cove role? Google Martin Cove mm -hmm. Let me help you out here One might be uh, Rambo First Blood Part 2 Oh, yeah, okay. And you could say The Karate Kid, or, and this is a bit of a deep cut, and I'm sure Liam is probably thinking this right now, he also appears in Death Race 2000. Isn't that right, Liam? He does, if you say he does. Yeah. Well, I know you're a Cove head, so I, I oh, didn't want to mean, embarrass you. I've been to CoveCon many times. <laughs> good, good to hear. Over at ScreenAnarchy.com, uh, there's the exclusive clip from a movie called Lore which is coming up. I believe it's uh, indigenous-themed. In lore, a mother searches for her missing son in a remote forest. As if that wasn't enough reason for concern, there may be something else to be worried about. Allure recently enjoyed its world premiere at Dances with Film 2017 in Los Angeles. Uh, as I mentioned, there's a clip over at ScreenAnarchy.com. And the cast includes Lindsay Lance, Max Lesser, Sean Wei Ma, and Eric Roberts, written and directed by Christian Larson and Brock Manwill. We'll take a look for lore in the very near future. You excited about this? What could be in the woods? What do you think's in the woods uh, there, Liam? Um, Hopefully not a, a, some sort of Japanimation werewolf like in uh, uh, the whatever, that Dark Moon Rising movie. Oh, I see what you're saying. I didn't know where you were going necessarily with that. Liam, do you go camping? Oh, no, I, I hate nature. I abhor it in all its forms, um, and I would like to destroy it. Well, your country's doing a very good job. You know <laughs> what I'm saying. <laughs> no, I, in, in rea I actually like a lot of things about camping up until the point where I have to, like, commit to sleeping outside, like the fires and the sitting around the fire yeah. with someone and all that stuff. That's all fun. But uh, 
I just can't get comfortable in a sleeping bag. I've tried a few times now, and maybe I just I don't can... have a fancy enough one, but I can't get into it. I can picture you, Liam, sitting around a campfire, brewski in your hand. You mean willing your... You know, a pure brewski, willing <laughs> yourself not to drink it. <laughs> <laughs> saying I'm better than everyone around this campfire, smashes it into the fire, uh, and then you probably uh, stick some fireworks up your ass. Is that what? Uh, the what last time I went you? camping, I got so cold because uh, it was in November, which was a oh. terrible idea. And the two dudes I was with were a super white, and b had these like crazy ergonomic North Face uh, sleeping bags, so they were fine. But I was goddamn freezing, so I woke up and I went to go to the bathroom and I realized that the there was this like uh building bathroom like it wasn't like a forest forest it was like more like a park right. and it was heated in the bathroom and they had showers so I dragged my sleeping bag and went to sleep in the handicapped shower that is an incredibly offensive story and I might edit it out of the episode because I don't want any <laughs> blowback John are you a camper uh sort of camping in the sense that we're in a tent but not camping in the sense that we have a toaster, coffee maker, and plumbing a couple feet away. So, so, I, sorry, I didn't, I, I couldn't quite parse that. So, you, you do enjoy the second one. You like uh, having that coffee nearby. I do. Uh, we every year we go to a camp, a campsite uh, at Inver Huron, uh, near near Lake Huron. Okay. Um, and that's a pretty good place. We we have our own campsite and. We every year we go there for Labor Day weekend, but this year I'm actually not going because I plan on going to Fan Expo, which is on the same. Oh, uh, now you know I think that we pulled ourselves from the primordial ooze about four thousand years ago, <laughs> and uh, and we've evolved out of the woods. We've gotten out of the nature, and we've built these wonderful cities with these amazing skyscrapers and surrounded ourselves with cold, unfeeling technology. And because of that, we need never to go back into nature again and feel the discomfort and to remind ourselves from whence we came. I feel like camping is an abomination that we should uh, really disregard and ignore whenever possible. Uh, but I, uh, I do think that we should all be saving our money to go to Fan Expo, which I believe might uh, feature an appearance by Mike White from the Projection Booth Podcast and fellow Frank D'Angelo connoisseur. Hey, I have a question for you, John. Yes. <laughs> that was quite a delay for that response. Do you like religiously themed movies? No. Oh. Uh, <laughs> short answer, no. I do have a a bit of a history. Well, not really a bit. Mm. I have seen God's Not Dead. Okay. And I consider it to be the worst movie I've ever seen. Liam, of course, he loves them. So I feel like you're a little bit at odds. Uh, but thankfully... Uh, for the purposes of an Eric Roberts-related podcast, Beloved Entertainment presents the not-so-good Samaritan to begin filming in L.A. with Eric Roberts. This is a press release from July 8, 2017, saying, Beloved Entertainment announces actor, best-selling author, and producer Nathan Clarkson's second film project, The Not-So-Good Samaritan, featuring Academy Award nominee Eric Roberts. It's a modern retelling of the biblical story, The Good Samaritan, and Clarkson will be starring, uh, producing, writing, and co-directing the project. Uh, it also features a seasoned ensemble cast, including Russellus Amin, Rachel Fenton, Maggie Maddock, and Stephen Austin. I don't think that's stone-cold Stephen Austin. 
and it'll also include an original score by Joel Clarkson. It's a follow-up to Nathan's last film, Confessions of a Prodigal Son, with Kevin Sorbo. Liam, what are your thoughts on Kevin Sorbo? Not a fan. Don't really like him. He was in God's Not Dead. Is that right, John? That is right. And I will say, uh, now I I really don't know him much as a person. I've never seen Hercules. I was, I think, pretty sure that's the only time I've ever actually seen him on screen. Mm -hmm. But for such an F-grade movie, he does give a fairly decent performance. Well, let me tell you something about Kevin Sorbo, John. Uh, he was in the movie Cull the Conqueror, so that's interesting. I believe he was in the movie Meet the Spartans. That's interesting. He's also a complete piece of shit. Like, he's just a horrible, awful person. And again, I don't want to make generalizations, but fuck Kevin Sorbo. Uh, and uh, maybe I'm going a little far, and maybe Kevin Sorbo might show up at my door and punch me in the face, but I'm just not a fan of him as a human being. Liam, are you with me here on the Kevin Sorbo hate? Yeah, I mean... But there's all the secondhand things, stories of him being an awful human. But yeah. then even interacting with him, he had a movie at Fantastic Fest one year, and I only briefly interacted with him. But it was like, it, I just feel like whenever I interact with famous people, even ones who I know objectively are probably bad people, they're mm -hmm. almost always like nice and comfort. You know what I mean? It's like they're it, it, they're so used to interacting with humans as part of their job that they can at least pretend to be human themselves. Right. My man could not pull it off. Just as soon as he came in the room, he was like a lizard person trying to figure out who he could eat. Like it, it's everything about him just gave off like gross menace. Like it was really weird. I've, I've, I've personally, I've just never had that. I mean, I'm sure there are other people like that who are, I, I mean, I use the word famous quite loosely in the case of Kevin Sorbo, but, uh, but I'm sure there are other people in that world who are like that. But I've the few people I've met are always almost off-puttingly nice, like they're used to it. And this dude sure. was like a creepster. Like it, it really bummed me out. Well, you sound like a PC liberal goon, uh, and I'm just going to ignore oh, everything you say. Oh, I know it, Liam. I believe me. I've hosted 53 podcasts. Well, not quite, but quite <laughs> a few podcasts with you, Liam O'Donnell, and I know where you're coming from. That's why this is what – that was so great about the Eric Roberts is the fucking man podcast is that there's such a balance. I mean, you're of course, uh, very left wing, uh, socialist, uh, Liam and a punk of course. And me, I'm more laid back. You know, I think men should be men. I'm an alpha male as I'm sure anyone listening can tell. Uh, and I feel like, you know, we need to get back to our roots. We need to get back to the forest. We need to start living in the woods. I don't know where we've lost our way with all this technology is what I'm trying to say, Liam. Sure, whatever, that's fine. Recently added to the ever-expanding Eric Roberts IMDb page is 2017's Frank and Ava, directed by Michael Oblowitz, best known for a series of straight-to-video Steven Seagal action movies. This is a movie about... always great. Yeah, well, hey, you, you can't hate Steven Seagal. Uh, actually, I think he's garbage, too. So maybe I, I have really strong opinions about certain muscular actors and certain formerly muscular actors, now tubby weirdo-looking actors uh, who like to play blues guitar. Frank and Ava joins the wild ride of the, tempest the tempestuous relationship between icons Frank Sinatra and Ava Gardner showing their multi-year love affair and subsequent marriage. This is a film about Frank Sinatra and Ava Gardner. I'm sure Frank D'Angelo was very interested in this movie. It actually has a very interesting-looking uh, cast, including uh, Lucas Haas is in it, Harry Dean Stanton, the legendary Harry Dean Stanton as Sheriff Lloyd, uh, Dominic, uh, <laughs> Dominic Lamardozzi uh, from The Wire is in this, and Eric Roberts as Harry Cohn in the film. Liam, what do you think? This actually looks like it could be an interesting project. I I'm curious about it. I I'm not 
in an objective sense, I'm not that interested in Frank Sinatra, but I do accept that uh, his life had some interesting things happen. So maybe it'll be a fun watch, but I'm not like immediately like, oh, a Frank Sinatra movie. That sounds great. Liam, what's yeah. your favorite Harry Dean Stanton performance? Uh, well, actually, I think of this as not a very in-depth answer because I was going to say uh, Repo Man, but That's I feel great. like, yeah, I don't know, but he's been in a lot of other things in a, in a more prominent role that are probably uh-huh. also great, but they're not they're not imbued in my memory in the same way as Repo Man. You know what I mean? Oh, he was in he was in the Avengers. He was the uh, he was the the janitor in the Avengers. Yeah, who he was there for like <laughs> he was yeah. there for like seven seconds. Though I loved seeing him there. Uh, and uh, and of course he was in Alien, the original yeah. Alien, which is uh, a very memorable performance. And I think I was going to say Liam, Paris, Texas, is my favorite Harry Dean. Stanton oh, good call, good call. Mm-hmm. Once again, I trump all. John, what movies are we watching on this episode of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man? Well, we're only watching one movie, but we're, and we're watching an episode of a TV series. Uh, so first off, we will be t- talking about Chuck. Uh, the series Chuck, which went on for six seasons, I believe. Okay. And then later we will be talking about The Institute, starring by starring and directed by James Franco. James Franco. The Franco directed – we should say, actually, we should uh, correct that. He co-directed this film, uh, and we'll get into that once we start uh, talking about it. A star-studded affair, The Institute. Uh, I'm glad that you chose it. John, simply because I can't think of another reason why I would have watched this movie otherwise, but I feel like we're all going to have a lot to say about it. Liam, do you have strong feelings about The Institute? That's interesting. I actually did not have strong feelings about The Institute. Um, I didn't I didn't enjoy it, but I didn't hate it as much as some of the other things we've been forced Don't to. show your hands so early. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But I will say that, it, again, it is a star-studded affair, and it is nice to see Eric Roberts working with someone the caliber of James Franco, don't you think, Liam? Well, at least something that uh, a few people might have seen purely because they're James Franco fans. Francophiles, I call them. Oh, yeah, that's right. And as well as an actor who was listed on IMDb but is not in the movie. What? Who? Uh, Pamela Anderson. Every oh, time Yeah. I- IMDb, it said that she was in this. She's not in this. Pam's not in it. I know I was disappointed. Um, but <laughs> but we're going to take our first break. When we return, it's Chuck versus the Couch Lock. Season 4, Episode 5 of the TV series Chuck. I don't know much about it. We're going to talk about it right after this. They're really rocking in Boston and Pittsburgh, PA. Deep in the heart of Texas And round the Frisco Bay All over St. Louis And down in New Orleans All the cats wanna dance with Sweet little 16 Sweet little 16 She just got to have About a half a million A famed autograph Her wallet filled with pictures she gets them one by one Becomes so excited Watch her look at her run Members of Casey's old combat unit attempt to find him Chuck continues his search for his mother And Morgan is hesitant to tell Casey a big secret Those are characters from the TV series Chuck And this is season 4, episode 5 
Uh, Chuck was a TV series about some nerd who I guess was a secret agent or something. I don't know. I've never watched an episode of it before, but thankfully we have an expert on the panel today. John, what's Chuck all about? Well, I'm far from an expert, but mm-hmm. prior to uh, the recording of this episode and watching the episode that we had to watch, I didn't know Chuck existed. Uh, I knew it starred Zachary Levi, and I knew it was about spy stuff, but I never really watched it. I think I watched an episode, and my thoughts back then were the same as they are now. It's a it's a fine show. I mean, it, mm-hmm. there's I there's nothing I can't really find anything objectively wrong with it. It's perfectly harmless. You know, some of the some of the humor is not not terrible. I mean, it's 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 harmless. That's yeah. That's basically the gist of it. I will say that what I was most confused about watching this episode, and of course, it's very strange to dip into a series with a certain level of continuity, uh, season four, episode five, right? I mean, you're, di- you're diving into something, you can't really objectively say the quality of the show from this perspective. But my understanding of Chuck was always that it was about this nerd who was secretly, like, I guess he was like a sleeper agent or something like that. He had all these skills. You see in this episode that, that every once in a while he'll kind of go into his head, he'll flash, and he'll suddenly have some sort of extra special spy skill. But by the time we're into season four, he's actually just a cool spy guy. He's not a nerd. He doesn't do anything nerdy in this entire episode except for, you know, make kind of Josh Whedon-esque quips. So that's, you know, I guess uh, by the time we're this deep into the series, they've moved on from that kind of original concept. But that's what I was expecting. So I didn't necessarily get what I was expecting, but that's not always a bad thing. Liam, what do you know about Chuck? Almost nothing. I mean, I I was aware of its existence, but I was actually pleasantly surprised watching the show at some of the people who were on the show, who I just didn't know uh, were a part of this cast. Um, and I guess I kind of knew it was somehow like an adventure show of some kind mm-hmm. based upon what little I had seen, but, um, but I didn't know much about it other than that. Uh, I do know that I have friends who really like it, uh, but I, yeah, I didn't, it, it was just sort of something that like, oh, that's a show that exists, but I, I already feel like I watch too much TV, so I'm not trying to add that many more TV shows to my, uh, diet. I, I I hate to make this comparison, but I always used to think of Chuck, even though this is well before this other show was on, but I kind of thought of it in a a Big Bang Theory-esque way, meaning that it's a very mainstream nerdery that's being presented here, uh, and the references are very, you know, they're not very obscure, and when they show the nerds on this, uh, you know, there's kind of stages of nerds. There's the cool nerd, like Zachary Levi, and then there's the nerds that he worked with, he works with, and they're complete and total fucking losers, and they talk about how cool they are playing magic and that sort of thing. And that's the kind of people that I grew up with and, and am. That's the kind of person I am. So when they're presented as being sort of bottom feeders, I feel uh, personally uh, uh, offended. What do you think about that, Liam? I uh, I think there's something to that, actually. Um, it's not something that I particularly feel. I'm not um, sort of too worried about it. Uh but I think it's, or, or rather, let me put it this way. I don't think it's as bad with Chuck as it is on, say, a show sure. like uh, Big Bang Theory, mm-hmm. um, which is just awful. Uh, so, but I, I, I get why it would be, at the very minimum, rub you the wrong way because the portrayal is so one-sided and, and uh, lacking in any sort of insight into what uh, your life and the people you know's life is actually about. Being a nerd is so cool now, Liam, 
that the whole thing's been spun around. Now it's the jocks, right? They don't have any friends. They're just begging for attention, right? Jocks, they just don't, they can't have any fun anymore. Isn't that what I understand? I don't believe that's true in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. And in fact, sorry, John, please add something. I was just going to say, the jocks don't have their own cinematic universe. That's true. Well, I mean, they do. I think it's the Fast and the Furious universe. (laughs) yeah but that's basically a superhero movie too (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, i mean jocks still have sports right the only remaining religion people actually believe in oh social commentary there from liam i like hearing that now speaking of jocks and people who are unpleasant let's talk a little bit about adam baldwin who's one of the stars of the tv series uh chuck he was uh previously on the tv show firefly and uh, I remember him from the tele- sorry the uh, film My Bodyguard, where he played a character that was a bodyguard. He was like a high school student. He was like a tough guy. And he ended up being a bodyguard for this young wimpy kid. Uh, so going over to you for a second, Liam, we already talked about Kevin Sorbo. Uh, Adam Baldwin uh, exists in a similar uh, piece of the universe in that he's a right-wing figure. He's very outspoken. Uh, and it's hard to for me, to differentiate his views with the characters that he plays. Do you have that difficulty when watching him? No, in fact, you've just ruined him for me. I knew him only as the funny guy from uh, from Firefly slash the Serenity film. And uh, and I, I don't really know anything else about him. I don't know anything about who he is as a person. I don't know anything about his other roles other than those two roles. So when I saw him on this, I was like, oh, this guy, he's funny. I'm into it. And now that I know he's a dick, it kind of bums me out. Well, don't take my word for that, though I'm absolutely correct on that. Uh, but I, sh- I should say, Liam, uh, that a lot of people think that Adam Baldwin, sorry, yes, Adam Baldwin, is a part of the Baldwin family that includes Alec Baldwin and Stephen Baldwin and Daniel Baldwin and probably another one. But he's not. He's not a member of that family at all. That's weird. Isn't that weird? Yeah, it's a little strange. I mean, it's it's uh, it's I, I guess it's just a testament to the fact that every Baldwin has insisted on trying to have an acting career. That now, whenever we see someone named Baldwin, a name I assume is actually probably pretty popular, uh, we just assume that they're all related to that one family. So Adam Baldwin has some uh, very uh, strict uh, re- uh, views when it comes to, say, gay marriage. And he was, a, he was a big part of the Gamergate thing, if you recall that from last year. Uh, and he was taking the sides of, let's face it, the worst people in the entire universe. So it's... Uh, it's uh... <laughs> well, I'm coming, sorry, coming sorry for from, my distraction. Coming from a gamer myself, that was a big step back for the entire community. And just horrible just yeah it was about ethics and gaming journalism right fuck off (laughs) i like it when my guests tell me to fuck off on my own podcast uh john over to you for a second does having uh that knowledge about what adam baldwin is like as a person does that color your view when you're watching him in a project yes uh when i first watched firefly i really liked him now he's my least favorite parts I still like Firefly a lot, and I still like Serenity a lot, and he he still does have some good one-liners, but the fact that he's a colossal piece of shit, just is it really does get in the way. Oddly enough, 
he's really the best part of this episode of Chuck. Uh, he, because his character plays this badass who, ha, you know, with this just barely restrained rage at the world. And even the central uh, plot that's happening where one of the characters is dating his daughter and hasn't revealed it to him. And it comes out in this uh, co- comedic way that could be completely avoided <laughs> with a guy. <laughs> Boy, it's really hard to explain this episode in a short manner. But at one point, Adam Baldwin's character, John Casey, uh, he uh, has to pretend that he's dead. And they have a funeral for him in order to lure these three people he used to work with uh, that they, they need information from them. Um, and And while they're doing that, someone tries to do a... A eulogy where he reveals that he's dating his daughter. Boy, what a complex show this Chuck was. Um, but I will have to say I, that I did think that Adam Baldwin was very good in this. But it was difficult to uh, disconnect my feelings about him as a person while watching this. Yeah, I, I thought he was fine. Uh, one one last thing I wanted to add uh, was that one of one of my notes, and this was just me. This was just what what I thought is that it really felt like Adam Baldwin was playing Clancy Brown. Like, in this show, they originally planned to cast Clancy Brown. Oh, wow. But he was doing something else, so they got Adam Baldwin. This, that, I'm sad that you told me about that. I mean, sort of, because I'm probably never going to watch another episode of Chuck. But no matter how much I enjoyed Adam Baldwin in this particular episode, I would have much more enjoyed Clancy Brown, well, pretty much in any role, but certainly in this particular role. I will so th- say, though, that he would be playing a much older character, I would think. Uh, but that makes me want to quickly Google to see the ages of Adam Baldwin compared to Clancy Brown. So I'll ask Liam to do that for me right now. Could you do that for me, Liam? What are you asking me to do? Holy fucking shit. You're co-hosting <laughs> this podcast right now. I'm well aware, but uh, I don't know who Clancy Brown is. What? He's the Kurgan from the Highlander movie. Mr. Krabs. Yeah, Le- Lex Luthor. Oh, oh, he's great. He would have been much better in this than uh, he was also Adam in the Baldwin. Warcraft movie. Well, let's oh, not, wow. let's not go there. Yeah, and in yeah. fact, Clancy Brown is only uh, three years older than Adam Baldwin. So actually, yeah, they they were casting around the same age. I guess I think of Adam Baldwin as younger, but now I just remembered that I saw him in that movie, My Bodyguard, and I think that movie came out in 1980. He does age well. So maybe that's one thing about having uh, abhorrent views is that it helps you age well. What do you think about that, Liam? Yeah, I mean, uh, he does seem like he's always got. But here's the thing, though: like a guy like him, the I, I, again, I know you told me not to take your word for it on this dude, but the the thing for me is like it would be charming if he always played these assholes, and then he was actually the sweetest. You know, let me give you an example here of what I'm thinking of. I'm thinking Please. of uh, I'm thinking of uh, oh now his name's out of my head. The guy okay. from Parks, the guy from Parks and Rec. Oh, you're thinking, of course, of Nick Offerman. Offerman, yes. Nick Offerman is nothing like his character on Parks and Rec, except for he also likes carpentry and meat. Those right. are the only things he has in common with that guy, and it's kind of charming to see how much he isn't like that. He's basically character. the best possible version of the Ron Swanson character, while right. other people worship the the shitty parts of the Ron Swanson character. Right, and so you that that, but but I have respect that he plays that role, and you know he he owns it, and he didn't try to like change Ron Swanson or some shit like that. But for this dude, like all of a sudden now, like his you know unaging snarky face, now it kind of rubs me the wrong way that he's actually like that, and not just like a dude who's been sort of charmingly typecast. John, 
while we were on our break, you revealed a piece of information to us that was shocking. Can you please reveal that now to our listeners? Uh, I am probably the youngest person to be on Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man. Yes, and how old are you? I am 18 years of age. That's right. So the fact that he didn't know who Martin Cove was is completely understandable because he has not made a movie of note in the last 18 years. Uh, so I wanted to uh, turn the next topic over to you, John. Have you ever watched The A-Team? I, the series, no. I, mm-hmm. I, I definitely know it exists. I have a – my grandfather is a, big, is a big fan of that show and a big fan of a lot of shows oh. from that oh, era. I feel very old. <laughs> it, don't be. He was, he was, he was probably about um, – I, I don't know. But okay. – I, I, I do know the show. I know the theme. I really like the theme. It's got a good theme. But my most prominent knowledge is from the movie that came out in, I think, 2010. Now, and all I remember about the movie is that it exists, and I remember it being perfectly watchable. Yeah, sure. Let me quickly tell you about the plot. So, for the A-Team, in 1972, a crack commando unit was sent to prison by a military court for a crime they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a maximum security stockade to the Los Angeles underground. Today, still wanted by the government, they survive as soldiers of fortune. But if you have a problem, no one else can help. And if you can find them, maybe you can hire the A-Team. Well, in this episode of Chuck, his old crew, they were sort of like the A-Team. When they're introduced, they are all shown to have like uh, different specialties. And uh, what's great about this particular episode is that those members, those three other members of Adam Baldwin's group of like soldiers, they're all well-known and, and uh, recognizable actors. Liam, who are they in this episode? The recognizable people? Yeah. The recognizable people. Well, I mean, uh, uh, Dave <laughs> Batista, uh, Adam Baldwin. That's all I got. I don't recognize anyone else. All right. Well, that is unhelpful, but who's Dave? <laughs> who is Dave Batista? Uh, he's a wrestler, right? Is that right? He, he was he was formerly a professional wrestler, and now he's in the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Yeah, what's the name of his character? I he's really good in the Guardians. Movies. Right. Well, I'll tell you, we have an expert on superhero movies here with us, John. Who's his character? Drax the Destroyer. Drax the Destroyer, played by Dave Bautista. The other member of the group here that is not Eric Roberts is played by uh, Joel David Moore. And who's Joel David Moore, uh, John? Uh, I, all I know is that he was an avatar. He, uh, he's the kind of gawky looking guy who was in the movie Avatar. And it's funny to think that he is almost 40 years of age right now. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. He still looks like a teenager. Uh, but yeah, Even I think Seth most people. Green, like, wow. They should yeah, like, they... Seth Green could go into a high school and, and be, and be confused for a student. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, we, and I think he is pushing 40. <laughs> I think he might be over 40 at this point. You might also know Joel David Moore as the star of Dodgeball, a true underdog story. But oh, yeah. I th- oh, yeah. Oh, now you get it. So you have these this this group of soldiers with these uh, skills. But in this case, instead of the A-team being a crack commando squad that you can find and hire if necessary, in this case, three of them betray the character played by Adam Baldwin, who, by the way, before he gets betrayed, also says some shitty stuff about Bill and Hillary Clinton. <laughs> I think he calls her mouthy. Does he not, Liam? He does. I And it was weird. I guess it was a reference to, like, that this was happening in the 90s. Yeah. He was like, President Clinton and her and his, mouth, his mouthy wife. Uh, what uh, okay. What? Yeah, yeah you it was the way at the very beginning of the episode. I remember that movie being like, 
what the fuck? What? Yeah. Well, there you go. Um, you missed that. So it's kind of cool. It's it's almost like the idea, like the A team, like turning on their own member, and then uh, them having to all come together. The, the thing I was actually most disappointed uh, with uh, in regards to this episode is that when these three soldiers get their comeuppance, a you don't really see it, and b we don't really know what happens to them afterwards. It actually seemed like there'd be a lot of potential in having these three guys, um, you know, out there and as as sort of the, these various nemeses to uh, the John Casey character. But then again, without the context of the show, maybe it just wouldn't fit into it. But it is strange that we don't actually see them uh, get defeated in this episode. We're just kind of told about it. Um, yeah, I don't think that, that I... happens twice. That happens at the beginning and then at mm. the end. And all we're told is, yeah, they went to prison. And in the beginning, in, in the beginning, it's like, yeah, they went to prison. It's like, oh, no, they escaped. So now they're going to go to uh, John Casey's funeral, his fake funeral. Yeah. And then at the end, they go to jail again. And that's all we hear about it. So let's so. talk about Eric Roberts in this episode, John. I'm going to start with you. What did you think of his performance in this episode? What kind of character does he play here? Uh, he plays the uh, smarmy asshole. So, you know, the the usual. Eric Absolutely. Roberts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... He's definitely the main antagonist. He is the leader of this uh, group of of baddies, and uh, he's he's actually pretty great. He he's he's definitely having a really fun time in this uh, playing off of others. There's a a pretty funny moment that did actually get a good laugh out of me, where they kidnapped uh, Casey, who is paralyzed due to a drug that uh, uh, fakes death. So they have him, and they need his hand to open a vault filled with gold. So the gold is the MacGuffin of this episode, basically, as well as uh, Chuck's mom, who which right. that is brought up. And then and it, we'll get, I imagine we, we might get to that maybe later. I don't know. Um, <laughs> nope, we shall not. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Who gives a shit about the continuity? That's not why they're here. <laughs> uh, so he's, he's the bad guy and they're, they want, they need to get his hand. They need to get his hand to access the gold. So they're going to cut off his hand, and then, you know, the there's, like, a knock on the door, and then, so they all rush out, and they come back in with with pizza, mm-hmm. and then Eric Roberts makes people like, oh, why'd you order pizza now? And then uh, Joel David Moore, he says, oh, well, we're not going to eat the pizza after we cut the guy's arm off, and and Eric Roberts basically just has, like, a, yeah, fair enough, pizza now moment, and, and that was pretty funny. That did get a, <laughs> that did get a laugh out of me. I like that moment, but it's also just completely fucking ludicrous that these guys were like instead of just doing the one thing they had to do in order to get these like millions of dollars in gold they had to just stop and eat pizza so he could get away but uh pizza ex machina that's exactly it uh over to you liam what did you think of eric roberts in this episode of chuck i gotta agree with john here he's having fun and that was actually kind of interesting for me to watch in a way uh, I don't think he brings anything too insightful to this character. It's sure. sort of him as the older. Well, it's weird because he, as the older dude, he I feel like he should be the leader guy. But in the flashback, it feels like Casey's the leader. Right. Uh, so th- that part was kind of weird. And also um, just the fact that like whatever the time jump is between the two times, he just looks exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, otherwise, though, I mean, he he's you know. He's supposed to be a smarmy asshole. Like that's his role in this in this one, and and he does it. And it's not. It doesn't feel like he's phoning it in, or he's just like I'm Eric Roberts, whatever. Like 
it's not that he like freaks out or anything, but he definitely is present and 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 it seems like having a good time and it works well with the other guys in his little uh, bad guy crew. Absolutely. And you know, uh long-time listeners of the show might also recall that Eric Roberts and Zachary Levi have some history together. Liam, do you know what that history is? I don't remember. What is that history? They both appeared on the sitcom Less Than Perfect. Oh, no idea. Zachary Levi and Eric Roberts, and I'm guessing that that might have been how Eric Roberts ended up on the TV series Chuck, which of course came out after Less Than Perfect. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I'm a big fan of the performance here. I actually like a lot of the performances. I, I, I feel like the regular cast are a little too hammy on this show from what I see from this episode. They're just a little too broad, especially that one dude who uh, who is basically the big hero at the end. I think he's he's just playing it like playing for the cheap seats in this particular episode. But oh, yeah. uh, but I can sort of see the appeal of of these kind of characters interacting, especially if they do have a lot of fun guest stars, which is my understanding. Uh, that that's kind of the regular thing that happens. A lot of kind of geek cult icons end up showing up on Chuck, uh, both before and after this. So I'm going to start with you, Liam. Is Eric Roberts the fucking man in this episode of Chuck? 100%. Like, what? he is. This is his role is to show up, be Eric Roberts, get mildly recognized, move on with his day. He really does it. Over to you, John. Do you agree or disagree? Definitely. He's. It was, it was really awesome to see him. Uh, and another favorite moment that I totally forgot to mention was his grand entrance at the funeral where they actually do the the doors open, slow motion, badass uh, Dutch angle, which is pretty fun. And then also his exit, where he he put C4 around the coffin underground to where they would uh, fall down and then make a quick appearance, where he actually, where he has a detonator, and then like fist bumps the sky and then presses (laughs) the button, he's like, boom! And then he falls down. That was pretty awesome. So yeah, he is... Eric Roberts is definitely the fucking man in this episode. If you've ever wanted to see Eric Roberts play Hannibal from the A-Team, except a bad guy, then you should check out this episode of Chuck from Season 4. Yes, Eric Roberts is, of course, the fucking man in uh, Season 4. What is it? Episode 5? Yes. Chuck. Uh, Yeah. Again, I don't know much about the show. I can't pretend to be a big uh, fan. I don't really know where the continuity fits in. But I will say that in terms of an episode to just drop in and watch, this was completely inoffensive but even more than that because of the fun guest stars it actually i would say uh was enjoyable from start to finish a very easy breezy beautiful watch and eric roberts is the fucking man but now we have to take our break because it's time for the main event a feature film directed by james franco and pamela romanowski after we return we're going to be talking about 2017's the institute join us after this while Peter Piper was picking peppers, I was selling yo at the corner store. I started out with 35 grams, still got about a half an old to go. My dope blocking, my fort talking, crack dancing, it's moonwalking. In the alley, serving buddies, chicken heads, balk balking. Junkies at my door, they know the secret knock. Here go, one time for the reefer, two times for the rock. Baking soda, my best friend, my fork and my fiance. My crack pot singing dance. I call that bitch Beyonce. Get an ounce for 850, but the super clean cost a stack, though. If your money right, then you see the light. Knock two times at the back, though. My pants say to my ass show. 
In 19th century Baltimore, a girl stricken with grief from her parents' untimely death voluntarily checks herself into the Rosewood Institute and is subjected to bizarre and increasingly violent pseudoscientific experiments in personality, modification, brainwashing, and mind control. She must escape the clutches of the Rosewood and exact her revenge. Yes, it's 2017's The Institute. It's actually a film that we've mentioned previously on Eric Roberts' is The Fucking Man, mostly because of the kind of odd pairing of James Franco, who co-directs here with Pamela Romanowski, and Eric Roberts, the actor who appears in the film. But of course, he is not the only name actor. In fact, this is actually a really, really strange cast, particularly if you do know some of these names. Not only do we have Eric Roberts here playing Dr. Torrington, we also have a, I would say the starring role in this uh, is by uh, Ali Gallarani, who's not an actress that I actually have any familiarity with. But the other lead is James Franco himself. We also have Laurie Singer. The great Laurie Singer is here. Uh, and Tim Blake Nelson makes an appearance in this. He's a, a very qualified and interesting director in his own right, but also a really great character actor, though I have some issues with his uh, performance here. But uh, this is a, a movie that uh, kind of lost me right off the bat simply because of its insistence that it's based on a true story. When when you watch Fuck it... that. Look, I get it. Look, we all, we grew up on these movies that say that they're based on a true story. It's still happening. You know, it's The Conjuring says it's based on a true story. Everything's based on a true story. But when you shove that in my face and then you then follow it with these ludicrous, absolutely mind-bogglingly stupid things, it, it really makes me kind of... Oh, oh, and then the very end, which is even <laughs> just a bigger F you... Yeah, where they talk about the actual history involved. Good. Yeah. So, so, so the real history of this... We'll get to that. <laughs> ...is that the Rosewood Institute was an actual institute where uh, the apparently the, the inmates or the uh, attendees of this institute were being uh, sold into some sort of sexual slavery or prostitution. Uh, so basically they were making the mentally ill people... Have, uh, they were basically prostituting them, which is an awful, awful story. Uh I, and the, I guess they were doing some sort of behavior modification studies in there as well. What happens in this movie, I do not think reflects reality. And also, they really make a, a kind of a hard point that this uh, institute was open up until the 1990s. I'm going to guess that the shit that they're talking about here wasn't necessarily going on in the 1990s. But in terms of a history lesson, I don't think that uh, you're going to get a lot of accuracy here anyway. Liam, I'm going to start with you. What did you think of the institute? Well, first things first, why does this movie look so bad? Like, it, it, it really feels like a, a, a really low-budget film. I don't know if there's... I, I, I couldn't tell if it was the quality of the um, sort of uh, camera or if it was just lit very poorly. It just it doesn't look very good. Mm -hmm. And that immediately struck me. And then the uh, there's a certain formality because it's it's trying to be a period piece and no one's performance of what they think people like were like at that time period felt very real everyone feels like they're in some sort of uh local play like it's like mm. a like a, a neighborhood performance thing and those two things like really sort of bummed me out enough that like i had trouble caring about the rest of the film in the sense of like the story and and am I getting wrapped up in the drama of what's happening? And honestly, these sorts of things were uh, we're kind of having anxiety about mental illness and the brain, and you know people can just be easily manipulated with 
a little bit of like uh, poison and hypnosis and pretty soon they're going to do whatever. None of that really works for me either. So I, I don't know. I, I It's not the worst thing we've had to watch for this podcast by any stretch of the imagination, but it's very, it felt very dead. It didn't feel, it was hard to stay engaged with it. It, it, it was hard not to get distracted during it. Um, and the, the, most excitement for me kind of happens at, towards the end of the film, uh, luckily with Eric Roberts. So that that was like, okay, I'm I'm a little checked back <laughs> in because Eric Roberts is on screen. But yeah. uh, a lot of the middle of the movie is just sort of like a snore. It's it's a re- you know some of the points that you brought up were really well observed there, uh, Liam. Particularly the fact that this is a very ugly, flat looking movie, and the performances are all over the place. But uh, especially the actors that are you can tell are maybe a little more inexperienced. They're not just inexperienced. They really do seem like local play level. You know what this movie reminded me of? And it's really kind of embarrassing to even say this, considering this is a movie which had at least a reasonably uh, a tidy budget and it had some professional actors in it. This reminded me of a David Dakota movie. One of his period pieces, like that Bonnie and Clyde Justified movie that we watched, where everyone is like, it's like, I'm old-timey, look at me, I talk like an old-timey person. It, everyone was so clearly... Uh, pretending, you know, the acting was so clear and visible when you're watching it that it it became a little embarrassing to watch. This is a very poor movie. It looks poor and it sounds poor, and it the the acting is just not there. And in fact, there's there's only a few exceptions to that, and some of them are are, are even a little bit strange. I mean, you even have uh, James Franco as this sort of he presents himself initially as almost like a proto feminist, uh, but then we understand later that he's I mean, he, he's he's a difficult character to nail down, but he certainly is sort of a mustache twirling villain to some extent. And he basically is brainwashing these women um, to, uh, I mean, it's hard to really figure out the end goals outside of the fact that some of them will become prostitutes afterwards. But he also wants them to put on plays for reasons that are ill-defined. But I want to go over to our guest since he chose this for us to watch. John, what did you think of The Institute? Uh, I, uh... When I first watched this, I watched this twice. Um, no, which, which not I a good idea. Yeah. yeah, no, it was. I watched this on Thursday and then earlier today. The first time I watched it, I uh, – the second time I watched it today, I took notes. The first time I didn't, I was just watching it to get out of the way before I can go back and talk about it. Um, the first time I watched it, I had such a hard time paying attention because I didn't give a shit. <laughs> Uh, there were so many moments where I just said I don't care, and I started looking at my phone. I was just, you know, on Twitter. I, I, I sort of live tweeted this when I first watched it, but not really. I think I probably had like five tweets, and I was just because I didn't care. Mm-hmm. Um, so then when I watched it again, I wasn't as pissed off as I was the first time, but it is still just such a dead movie. There were several points in the movie where I just I stopped taking notes because I had nothing to say. I I wrote I wrote the sentence I don't care in my notes probably six times. Yeah, it's it's it is it's a difficult movie to kind of grasp like to get a handle on because our lead character is is a victim, right? And she's victimized pretty much up until the last 5 minutes or 10 minutes of the movie and by that point who could possibly care about what her fate is? Um, I mean, she's she's initially presented as um, a comparatively 
modern woman in the eighteen in the late eighteen hundreds who is seen as being um, a little bit outside of the norm of society simply because she's inquisitive and she's um, she's smart and she's capable and she's basically been put in this institute to and kind of yes yeah, sorry we hardly see any of that she reads, exactly in one point she reads Edgar Allan Poe but for all the other time. It just we're just told that she's like that. We don't ever see her like that. We're just told, and that's the biggest problem with this is that some, another thing that was so interesting is that stuff happens in this movie, but in the end, it always just feels like we're going back to being told about it, even yeah. though things are actually happening. This movie, with you said that it that it reminded you of a David Dakota movie, which yeah, think about it now, yeah, that totally does. But another movie it reminded me of – it reminded me of the Fantastic Four movie that came out in 2015. <laughs> and that movie had Tim Blake Nelson in it. <laughs> Please tell me some of the more the other similarities to that movie here. Well, for for starts, it's an ugly-looking movie. It, right. if you, have, have you seen the Fantastic Four movie? I have not seen it. All right. Don't. It's fucking garbage. It is on Netflix if you do want to try, but it's it's garbage. But I'm bu- I'm busy they... watching Eric Roberts movies, so I don't yeah, have time for. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> um, it's an ugly looking movie, and it's dark, and it's drab, and it's obviously by someone who doesn't under. It's directed, made by someone who obviously does not understand the Fantastic Four, and it was also obvious, and it was also heavily tampered with, right, uh, by producers. But in the same sense that with this movie, something, some something somewhat interesting happens. And then it stops, and then they just go back to talking about it. Right. Yeah. They're just it's except talking. in that movie. In that movie, they could have afforded to show afford afforded to show something. Uh, afforded to show something. That sounded weird coming out of my mouth. They could afford to show something in that movie. While here, you can sort of at least understand why they might have had to be a little restrained. But you know, it's not like they needed a whole lot of action. They just needed to kind of show a progression happening, as opposed to just jumping forward in time. Yeah, it does. It. This movie feels like it goes from A to D to to H. Like it, it doesn't. Feel, there's no flow. It just it, they're just hops. So the supporting cast, as I mentioned before, has some uh, interesting actors here. Tim Blake Nelson plays Doctor Lamel, who's sort of a surgeon, who is also uh, one of the uh, cronies of James Franco's Doctor Cairn in this movie. And I love Tim Blake Nelson, but he's there's something off about his performance here. It just doesn't seem, I think maybe it's because he's trying to do that way of speaking of the late 1800s and he's got a little affectation on, but it's so strange to say that because of course, Tim Blake Nelson is one of the stars of Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Which took place in the early 1900s. And that's one of my favorite performances probably in any movie ever. But he, but has, here, a, but he has a Southern accent in that. And in this one, he's trying to sound classy and affected and it yeah. does not work at all. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we also have Josh Juhamel. Is that how you pronounce his name, Liam? No idea. I don't know who that is. Well, he was in I, the tra- Transformers. Please uh, enlighten us, John. In in my notes, I just referred to him as, oh, it's the guy from Transformers. Yeah, I, and, I, th- I think I'm as beefy Timothy Oliphant. Uh, but he looks very similar to him. And he's here as like a private detective. He shows up like a couple of times, which is so strange because, again, he's a bigger star than almost anyone in the movie. But he just kind of shows up and then vanishes. He doesn't even really have an ending to his story in this. Yeah, and he was a detective. He was a shitty detective. <laughs> and <laughs> I, said, could not, I heard rumors. And I could not tell if he's supp- – is he in on it? Because we never see him again. Yeah. So he – the main character has a brother – and he didn't. He wasn't into the fa- into the idea of putting 
his sister into this into this wellness center. Um, so he he goes to the detective and asks, like, "Hey, I think something weird's going on. Can you check this out?" And then Josh, Josh, what's his face? He just says, "Yeah, okay, whatever, sure. I don't care. I'm just I'm here. Whatever. I'm drinking." That's basically what he says. Yeah, absolutely. And then um, he comes back later and says that you know he's heard some strange things about it. And then he f- comes back later in the movie and and just and reveals it's like if they, if what I heard is true, they control everything. It's like a big cult. And that's by the way what the big reveal of this movie is is that the the institute is basically the front for this cult, um, which involves I guess people of influence from all over. And in fact, the trick scary ending in this is that it even goes further. Uh, it even it even encompasses the the friendly hunchback that helped helped our lead character Why get away. Yeah, the, uh, the 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 Kaiser Soze moment in this movie <laughs> is so fucking stupid because like okay I get the idea that there's this you know uh, you know onion levels of of conspiracy going on and that's supposed to be what's so scary which it's not at all but even the idea that someone's like I'm part of this inner circle that runs everything but i really really wanted to trick you so i've been pretending to be a hunchback yes i've been cleaning up piss and shit but it was all worth it to trick you girl like no that doesn't make any sense at all literally years of pretending to be a hunchback with a speech impediment simply so you can have an aha moment at the end of it where then the main character is then the suggestion is that she gets brainwashed to play another role maybe it's some sort of commentary on the whole uh, idea of acting and 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 kind of imbuing those characters, but guess who doesn't care about that? Anybody, right? Yeah. Only actors give a shit about that. And this is, it feels very self-serving when you're watching this bullshit, uh, especially and, when all the actors in this movie are 100% sleepwalking. Yeah, yeah. And I mean that I, I I hate to say that. You know, okay. Actually, I I'm I'm gonna disagree slightly. I do think. Uh, Ali Gallerani, who plays Isabel, the lead character, I think she's very, she's trying very hard, and I actually think she is very good in a role that is very difficult because she is again being victimized, and then later she has to be brainwashed and basically thinking that she's someone that she isn't. The problem is this movie does not support her in any way. So when her progression from you know free thinking young woman uh, who who is looking for kind of more freedom in her life and watching that progression turn into her being controlled by a cult and then eventually snapping out of it, it's hard to get that from anything that happens in the movie. It seems like from the progression of events that we see that basically she's having a couple of sessions with James Franco and literally like overnight she suddenly is so brainwashed that she literally will literally kill her own brother while naked. Uh, in, there's just there's just no reason to believe that this is something that could happen in real life. Which again, and I, and I, based on a true story. And I want to point out that while she is naked and killing her brother, you can clearly see uh, bikini tan lines. Oh my goodness. I'll also say, and again, I don't want to sound like a dirty old pig, and I know Liam's going to hate me for even saying this, but... The pubic hair of the late 1800s is not reflected in the film that we're watching here. Wouldn't you agree, Liam? Well, I was about to say, and I wanted, I'm glad you brought this up, actually. Not specifically the pubic hair aspect, but... I know you you're know, always when, glad when I bring up pubic hair, and I think yeah, it's a real when problem. When you're talking about James Franco movies, um, every one of his movies that I've seen is very clearly trying to be another movie in some way. Mm-hmm. And this feels like his attempt at some sort of, like... 
cross between a hammer horror film and an exploitation movie. Yes. And I think that's exacerbated by all of the unnecessary nudity. Mm-hmm. Yet the movie also it has this weird seriousness that no hammer horror or exploitation or any sort of that kind of genre film ever successfully pulls off anyway. So when you combine the 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 lack of quality with the sense of seriousness with all of this completely unnecessary nudity and for that matter very trimmed pubic hair uh you just <laughs> it starts to feel even more i don't know gross than an yeah. actual exploitation movie would because it, it it's like trying to be classy while being like look here's your sex and violence ha right, right. it's like yo don't make women in cages and then pretend you're making you know uh fucking uh sense and sensibility like Either you're making women in cages or you're not. And yeah. and the movie tries to be both, you know, pinky in the air and nude murder at the same time. And it doesn't really work for the film. Yeah. There's, there's, there's multiple... about nothing. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. There's multiple scenes of women, topless women getting like whipped. And you're right. There's, there's a real exploitative eye to those scenes. But all the performances are so restrained that there's no fun to any of it. And it's like, okay, you you want to make a movie that's serious. It's based on a true story. It's an expose about this fucking institute. Well, that's fine too. But then don't have those exploitative elements that are like very obviously titillating scenes of women who, uh, you know, it, 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 it's a, it really is a movie that tries to have its cake and eat it too, except it has nothing. It has nothing of interest until the final scene or the final sequence, I should say, where our lead finally reveals that she knows what's going on and she's going to try to escape. And she basically goes on a murder spree, killing everybody and particularly killing Eric Roberts. <laughs> Spoiler <laughs> alert. In a way uh... that's very interesting. John, I know this made you very excited. What happens to Eric Roberts in this movie? I, 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 I'm not sure what the term is. I don't know what that machine is called. Oh, come Sonic... on now. I, I don't. It's... Okay. I know it's I know it's on the guillotine. That's right. Uh, it's one of those swinging swingy thingies. That's that's what I'm gonna refer to it as. Uh, that slowly descends onto a person's stomach. I uh, can you quickly Google what that what is that what that's called or do you? I, or do you I think know? I think if we want our audience to know what you're referring to, Poe is referenced several times. One of you have already brought him up. This is a clear reference to the pit and the pendulum. The pendulum itself. The slicey scythe that's okay. going back and forth that that is actually uh, that's in the final scene of this and unlike uh, many of the former uh, uh, pre- presentations of the, of of Poe's work we get to see it in action actually slice somebody and that person who gets sliced up is Eric Roberts yes with uh, with with CGI blood because of course. <laughs> but it is an interesting reveal because Eric Roberts, he he does get a moment where suddenly he he is bringing a bit of life to this performance where we realize that he is obsessed with this lead female character and he basically wants to own her in some sort of sexual uh, uh, hypnotized slave way. And he's a member of this cult in this final sequence and she kind of uh, pretends, I guess, that she is as infatuated with him as she as he is with her. And then he lays down for a little bit of S&M action in front of everybody. He even says while it's going on, I can't wait to do this to you later. But aha, it was a trick. And she then lowers the thing onto him and slices him to ribbons. What did you think of this sequence, Liam? Great. It was the first, like, 
kind of fun. I mean, even like her poisoning all the gas and whatever. It's like the first time that the movie was like something was happening. It it was not good writing. And uh, the idea that that Eric Roberts is like lay on this thing with the giant sharp thing over top. Yeah, sounds good. Let's do that. Like all of that is ridiculous. But at least in being ridiculous, things were happening in a way that like I don't know felt a little more interesting. I mean, it it is it's so sad that the first signs of life in this movie happen in the final ten minutes. It does lead <laughs> into some more interesting stuff where Isabel. Uh, then goes on to murder some of her captors in in mostly just by slicing their throats open. But uh, but you know she shows a little bit of life only to have that kind of snuffed out at the very end as well. It's a very unsatisfying movie in a lot of ways. Leo. Total bummer. Total bummer. <laughs> it is a total bummer. But bummer or no, we uh, we do have to talk about the subject of this podcast in the movie The Institute from 2017, John. Is Eric Roberts the fucking man? For for the first couple scenes that he's in, I really wasn't sure because uh, he's in the very first scene. He actually has the first uh, spoken line of dialogue, and so at the very beginning, I was very nervous, nervous, thinking, "Oh no, this is going to be the only time he's in, and he's never going to be seen again." Right. And I was very nervous about that, but he did come back in a couple more scenes for there, and they were very short. But it was it was nice to see that he. He did come back and he wasn't just in that scene. But at the end, with the pendulum, like we were just talking about, his his death scream was what won me over. <laughs> his... <laughs> it kind of sounded like a bad Schwarzenegger impression scream. <laughs> um, it's, you know, his, his voice, Eric Roberts' voice, is the first thing we hear in this movie. And it's not good the opening dialogue is not good and because it really you get that sense of the kind of cheapness of the production right off the bat and sort of the iffy performances from the supporting cast i, I was the, very sorry i got that sense from the opening credits <laughs> yeah yeah that as well and so i was a little concerned going into this but you're right you know he does get those moments that that kind of of, of really redeem it and himself by the time we get to the end but was it enough liam is he the fucking man in this movie I got to go with yes because of the ending. Um, but I agree. When he first shows up, there's not much to it. And he just seems to be not particularly present, you know, just sort of he's there and there's not much to it. But uh, the smarmy myth with smarminess with which he's so excited that she's she wants him now. And he says, oh, I can't wait to do this to you later. It's so creepy that I was like, oh, Eric Roberts is here. <laughs> like, he's really showed up for this end part. So, yeah, I'm going to go with yes. He's the man. I mean, it's a movie where a very little happens. And it's a very uninteresting movie in a lot of different ways. I do not recommend it. But uh, if you are going to watch it and if you're sitting down and you're going to watch this, stick around till the end. Because at least you get something that, that in some ways uh, uh, justifies the 90 minutes that are previous to it. Not fully, but at least you get some primo Eric Roberts. And I'll tell you what, on the Eric Roberts is the fucking man podcast, that is all we ask. Eric Roberts is the fucking man in 2017's The Institute. Check it out. Or don't. I don't give a shit. We're going to take our final break. When we return, John is going to tell us about himself. We're going to tell you about some of our future projects. And we're going to say goodnight. Be right back right after this.
episode number 53 of Eric Roberts is the fucking man is in the bag. I want to thank our guest, John Nicholson, for taking time out of his busy schedule. For the very first time on a podcast, this 18-year-old is making history on Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Bringing his A-game, talking about great movies, talking about great TV projects. John, where can people find you on the internet? You can mostly find me on Twitter. That's my. That's where I'm the most present. You can find me at JK Nicholson one uh, The one is important. But you can also find me at Game Discussion 1. That is a gaming page that I co-run with a friend of mine that I've been running for about a year now. So where we talk a lot about about video games, uh, very very discussion based, hence the name. Uh-huh. Where we do where we do polls, ask questions, you know, talk about uh, what they feel about about games, uh, sometimes controversies. Uh, so that's a very open ended uh, page that that we that we have, and I'm very proud with what we've done with it. Sure, John. What's the best video game of 2017? <laughs> oh boy, uh, this is again. This is kind of embarrassing. I. I'm so far behind on games. So I've only played one, and it's probably the most controversial, uh, Mass Effect Andromeda. It's the fourth game in the Mass Effect franchise, but uh-huh. it's not a sequel. It's its own game. It's If anything, it's more of a reboot. And a lot of people had a lot of problems with it. When it first came out, it was very glitchy. A lot of, a lot of people complained about the facial animations and the graphics. And... A lot of people also said that the writing wasn't very good, um, but I'm a huge fan of the Mass Effect franchise, so I so I I, I bought it, I pre-ordered it actually, so I, I got it the day it came out, and I gotta say, I think it's a really great game. I don't understand the controversy. Yes, it it's not perfect, but for a Mass Effect game, it was exactly what I wanted it to be. You heard it here first. Eric Roberts is the fucking man in Mass Effect Andromeda. Get it at your local video game store. But, John, yes, thank you so much for taking the time. I know that you've wanted to be on this podcast for a little bit, and you wore me down, John. You wore me down request after request, and I was like, you know whose time it was. It's John's time. And today, it was John's moment. I think John Nicholson is the fucking man. How about that? I'll throw that out there. Liam, what are you up to lately? Uh, Let me plug. Very recently, I was able to help out some friends. We have a podcast called Various Breads and Butters, and uh, they are two professors at Lafayette. And the podcast is really great, but they don't necessarily know much about recording and production. They usually have students help. Uh-huh. So over the summer, the podcast usually takes a break, uh, but I was able to help them out. So not only did we record a new episode with them, but they had their uh, friend podcast, the Poorly Summarized podcast, on. So we recorded an episode of Various Breads and Butters. And then an episode of Poorly Summarized with the various Brothers and Brothers uh, guys as a guest. So that was like four hours of recording time. Not really, but it, that's what it felt like. But it was cool because as the engineer, quote unquote, I still got to sit in and like be a part of the conversation. So that was a good time. So uh, I would recommend both of those podcasts. Various Brothers and Butters is one. And the other one is Poorly Summarized. Uh, other than that, you know, we got lots of stuff at Cinepunks. Uh, we just posted a new episode of Black Sun Dispatches today. So check that out. Please tell your friends. Um, we just, we're trying to grow and uh, we need all the support we can get. 
And you can, of course, find Liam over on Twitter at Liam Rules. That's R-U-L-Z, because he's cool like that. And yeah, definitely go over to Cinepunks and check out all of their various podcasts and writing. You can find me, Doug Tilly, over on Twitter at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L-E-Y. You can, of course, find my other podcast, No Budget Nightmares, over at NoBudgetPodcast.com. You can... uh uh, boy, I really lost the plot there. You can find No Budget Nightmares over at NoBudgetPodcast.com. Our latest episode covers David Rock Nelson's The Devil Ant, and it is quite epic, so you should definitely check that out. I do that with Mo Porn. You can find him on Twitter at DrunkOnVHS, all one word. You can find more about Eric Roberts is the fucking man at Eric Roberts is the man. Oh, actually, that's not what it is at all. At E-R-I-T-F-M on Twitter, or you can go to ericrobertsistheman.com and check out all of our uh, recent episodes and subscribe. Leave us a review on iTunes if you get a chance. We'd appreciate it very much. You can also do a search for both No Budget Nightmares and Eric Roberts is the fucking man on Facebook. Just do a search for Eric Roberts is the man. You can make a request for what you'd like to see on the show. But with that all said... It's time for us to say goodnight and to close up the Eric Roberts bag once again. In just a couple of weeks, we will return with two more Eric Roberts classics. I'm very tired, so it's time for all of us to go to bed. Let's say goodnight, everybody. Goodnight, everybody. Goodnight. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. If there's anything that you can do, Eric Roberts fucking can.